If you enjoy the channel and our video content and would like to support us, you can do this in a couple of ways. You can sign up to our Patreon site which is a monthly subscription to one of our four tiers, each giving you something different from early access interviews up to exclusive unseen footage. There's also the option of a one-off donation via PayPal which allows you the option to donate an amount of your choice. Both options really help to keep this channel going and to continue putting out regular content for you good folk. So please take a look at aircurrentreview.tv forward slash donate and I thank you in advance. Thank you and enjoy. I got to do that CAG ops job and uh, loved it. Um, we did have an unfortunate circumstance uh, where two of our Marine Corps Hornets had a midair in the tanker oh. pattern. Um, and the EXO of that squadron was killed. Um, that was a, a, not a so good evening. Um, but mm -hmm. beyond that, we were able to do great work. Um, and uh, that's another thing. I was able to cruise with a Marine Corps Hornet squadron for my last two deployments, VMFA 251, the T-Bolts. And again, I love, obviously, my father was a Marine Corps aviator, yeah. but I love the Marines. And, and they brought a lot to the table being part of an air wing. I've cruised uh, with an A6 squadron, an EA6 squadron, and two Marine Hornet squadrons during my nice. my career. Um, and uh, again, having a Marine Corps squadron in the air wing is a game changer in terms of atmosphere. Yeah, I've heard that before, yeah. It's great. So um, that's just a side note. Okay, so now I'm done with this tour. I made Commander, um, which was, uh, you know, it wasn't a done deal. And so thank you, Admiral Mullen, and thank thank uh, Boomer for the opportunity to do back-to-back sea -back duty. Thank my wife for the willingness to do it. Uh, again, the Navy will, will reward you with great adventures if you are willing to do the work. You know, that, that's it. Yeah. And, and, and that's true for any rank, rate, warfare especially. Um, I think that's true for the military, really. Yeah. But in any case, now it's time to go to shore duty at long last because I've been on sea duty for four years. And uh, I remember, I will never forget, I'm in the Air Wing Operations Department with a phone to each year because we're running Operation Southern Watch mm. and dealing with, you know, squadron operations officers and, and trying to get satisfied Joint Task Force Southwest Asia, which sometimes was a real challenge. And then Fifth Fleet would call. There's always one call too many because they're about to do a staff meeting and this guy wanted to be, you know, first with the news. And a lot of times I go, I can't talk to you right now. And I had top cover. I'd go to Admiral Mullen and go, I fifth fleet's bugging me. He's like, don't talk to him. So yeah. it was great. I had the authority to be a not so nice fellow at the yeah. fifth fleet. So, but phone to each year, Admiral Mullen comes walking in. And and I'm like, sir, he's like, have you thought about your follow-on orders? And in fact, I had just gotten off the phone with my detailer, a guy named Fozzie Miller, who went on to be an admiral himself. Wow. And Fozzie's a longtime Tomcat. Rio knew him, and, and he's like, yeah, I, I think uh, what we're going to do is get you to Sinkland Fleet and then send you right back to ship's company. I'm like, mm. what? Like, I, did you miss the part where I did back-to-back -back sea duty, Fozzie? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, this, 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 this is how you're going to make a uh, captain. I'm like, I just made commander. I don't know how interested I am in making captain. So I tell that to Admiral Mon. He's like, um, how about teaching at the Naval Academy? Hmm. I'm like, um, I don't know if I'm qualified. All I have is a bachelor's degree oh. from the Naval Academy. Yeah. What would I do? And he, he has this dry witness way of just sort of 
you know, he's a stoic. He just goes, he walks out. I'm like, okay. Comes back in 10 minutes later with a yellow sticky with a phone number on it. <laughs> and it's a 293XXX. And that's a Naval Academy, you know, series of numbers. Mm. And so I had, a, now by this time, I have a phone at my desk in CAG Ops that I can just dial nine and call any number in the world. And I, I abuse that. I talked to Payne Stewart all the time back when he was alive and, you know, he'd want to know what's yeah. going on. You know, yeah. we'd met him previous turnaround. We did an ESPN show aboard George Washington. That's where I got to be friends with Payne, who was a great, great guy. Yeah. Miss him a lot. Um, but uh, so I call this number. It's Captain Bill Mason at the Naval Academy. He's what's called pro dev professional development. And he goes, yeah, I understand you want to teach the Naval Academy. I'm like, uh, what? I mean, Admiral Mellon, Mellon just mentioned it. And mm. so this was the sort of what we call a black shoe mafia, of which Admiral Mullen wasn't quite the Don yet, but he was on his way to be the Don of that mafia, you know, the right. surface warfare guys. And so Bill Mason is a surface warfare officer. So Mullen says, uh, you know, probably should find a, a job for Ward at the academy. And boom, they uncovered a job they had been hiding and now suddenly Fozzie calls me back. He goes, I don't know what you did, but I have orders for you to the Naval Academy. No, okay. And then Fozzie did a cool thing, which he's like, I was going to write 24-month orders, but I'm going to write you 36-month orders. Hmm. So that's how I got my orders to teach at the Naval Academy. Right. For my last tour. So we wound up living on what we call the yard, the campus. Um, the boys went to the prep school just across the river. It was a very cool existence there. And the Academy loves people who say yes. So I was the officer rep for the sailing team, which had been my sport when I was there, the dinghy team, the flying team. Admiral Ryan, who was a P3 guy who was superintendent, bought us two brand new Cessna 172 SPs and unlimited gas. And so that's where I met Jay Consalvi, who was later mm -hmm. in Speed Eagles as a Tomcat pilot. And I taught all kinds of things, including English, which I wasn't qualified to teach. <laughs> I taught freshman English, believe English. Wow. So during this time, this project that well, at the time I was calling What Punks Do took life again, because now I'm in an environment, the life of the mind, where it's conducive and people encourage you to do things like write a novel. If you're in a fire squad, they're like, what are you? Why are you working? You know, they're all Philistines. You know, they're like, don't do that. Rewrite a tack note or something. Right. You know, in fact, I used to get grief because I was subscribed to Rolling Stone magazine. You know, remember the XO? In fact, it was Beads Conley. Beads Conley was the XO. He was later the guy in the uh, second yeah. Gulf of Sidra. The yeah. the I can't get a freaking tone guy. He'd roll up the magazine in my mailbox and go, "Ooh, here's your Rolling Stone, dude." That's so brilliant. And and so, um, so anyway, uh, I loved my existence at the Naval Academy. I wound up being there end to end for years. It turned out. Um, and uh, was able to get Punk's War published in the time yeah. uh, I was there. So that informed, in a big way, my post-Navy life, right? So guys yeah. with my pedigree generally go with the defense industry, and a guy without an engineering degree would probably be in the marketing and the sales shop yeah. there. You know, I'd be the guy at the booth at, uh, you know, any one of these, like at Farnborough. You know, I'd be like, hey, Mike, uh, you want a you wanna squeeze toy, right? Yeah. I'd be that guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and, and so I was like, oh, my God, that strikes me as hell. Right. Because <laughs> I'd see these guys and yeah, they're wearing yeah. their suit and they're like, oh, geez, don't recognize me. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so, yeah. 
So fortunately, I avoided that. Um, actually, my first job was working at, at the V-22 program during the war years of that that acquisitions program, return of flight to Milestone 3. And I was the communications guide for them. Um, and I had a great time doing that. And that taught me about procurement and acquisitions. Uh, and I was I had a seat at the table in a way that was unusual for uh, a GS employee, courtesy mm-hmm. of the program managers who were great human beings, one Marine, one Air Force. Um, and, uh, so that was my, I did that for three years and I was on contract to write novels for, uh, for, for Penguin or, uh, Penguin Putnam. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, Punk's Wing, Punk's Fight, The Aid, and, uh, eventually Militia Kill, which is a piece of junk, um, came out. And so I'm writing as a sidelight and I have this day job at the Naval Air Systems Command. Then I met the the founder of military.com and wound up long story short, going to work for him because um, right. the V-22 had gotten boring. I didn't want to be a civil servant. Um, and although we lived in Southern Maryland near the Naval Air Station at Patuxent River, we didn't move. The boys were going to a good high school. So I did my first bi-coastal thing. The headquarters of military.com was in San Francisco in those days. It's not there anymore. Mm. Um, but the founder was a San Francisco guy. So it was right there on 4th and Market, 7th floor of 799 Market, I would stay in the Palomar, Palomar Hotel, which was high living for a guy who'd lived in some pretty sketchy BOQ rooms, <laughs> not to mention six man, eight man staterooms on, on conventional. <laughs> yeah, cool. And so I learned about the web uh, and I leveraged very little of my military pedigree in so doing. Um, and, and the rest was, you know, product monetization, sales, the engineering side of it. All the sort of stuff that, that, you know, a guy like you understands intimately uh, mm-hmm. now, you know, right click, HTML, surgery, all these sorts of things. Um, I did have a website, you know, it's just a standard WordPress website, wordcarol.com, um, that, you know, I used as an author. Um, I, I've lost somebody squatting on that domain now, so don't look for it. Uh, my current website is punkswar.com. Um, but uh, I didn't know a whole lot. So I guess my MBA was my first year at Mm military.com. And again, we're living in Southern Maryland. So I got a lot of United flight miles from Dulles to SFO, um, which was a 87 mile trip from Leonardtown, Maryland to Dulles Mm. on the wrong side of the beltway. Uh, (laughs) But I was loving it. I was loving it. And this is pre-social media when I first started there. So we were there for the advent of social media. You know, I had one of the early Facebook accounts, <coughs> the founder of military, the founder of military.com um, was friends with Zuckerberg and and, and uh, the other guys uh, in the early days, Dorsey and, you know, Chris Michael rolled in those circles. And uh, I was able to meet these giants of, you know, Web 1.0. Uh, and then be there when 2.0 was hitting and then blogs were huge and we embraced mill blogs and the mill blogosphere early on. We hosted the mill blog conference. So I got to meet all of those, those icons who hosted the the blogs who went on to a variety of different uh, conceptions. Uh, you know, the guys at, uh, at um, Ranger up and uh, article 15 and the guys who run black rifle coffee and, and all those guys yes, were, yeah. were early transition vets, influencers and icons and Matt best and dudes like that. So I got to meet all of them and we were kind of a platform for them in the early days. Uh, so I did that for, uh, 
for nine years and kind of ran out of enthusiasm. And, and uh, again, it's better to be lucky than good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was wooed to leave San Francisco and go to Hollywood, literally Hollywood, to join a startup called We Are the Mighty um, uh, by two MTV alums, David oh, okay. Gale and, and Alexander. Um, and uh, so I, I did that. And, and uh, I think at first they believed I was going to move to L.A. That was never really in the cards. I may have allowed them to believe that at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah. the wife didn't want to move. No. You know? And so at that time, we left Leonardtown and moved to where we are now is Annapolis because I wanted to be closer to um, an airport. Uh, so I became a Southwest guy, you know, BWI to LAX instead of a United IAD to SFO yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. which was, you know, great. Um, and LAX is both a nightmare and it was convenient because the Southwest terminal is, is the first one you come to when you're entering the facility. Um, and I learned to love Hollywood, you know, cause wow. I'm a sucker for pop culture. Our yeah. headquarters is literally under the Hollywood sign yeah. uh, on Beachwood wow. drive there. Yeah, yeah. And I was working with a bunch of, of alums from Panavision and wow. Paramount and, you know, it was just Amazing. great. So we 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 did the LA thing. You know, yeah. all of the hype was true. We'd hang out at the Rainbow, um, you know, with Kelly Osborne and you know, wow. there's Lemmy in the corner, and you know, it was just super cool. And again, as a rock, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, just a, a wannabe rocker. You know, it's like the '80s never died on sunsets. But- like you know, to interrupt here, Ward. Like you're probably the coolest person in the room. You're like, yeah, I'm an F4 team Rio. That is the coolest person. If I was in that room, I'd want to talk to you. Yeah, well, I, I, I hear you. But when you're in LA or particularly in Hollywood, it's a very flat landscape. This is this. It right. has an innocence. You know, we talk about the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, and and you know, actually, the before the office moved, it was on Hollywood Boulevard. And so I would be stay, staying in some Airbnb. I usually would pick a mile and a half radius from our headquarters. It was, uh, uh, if you're looking at, at, you know, Google Maps, Hollywood and Coenga, the corner there um, right. is where the, the headquarters was. So I'd be staying, you know, and I'd walk to work and I'd walk down Hollywood Boulevard. You know, it was so cool because you'd read the names. It was like that kink song, you know. Um, I, what's the name of that song? Um, um, everybody's a stranger, whatever that is uh, yeah, about Hollywood. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, it's a really cool sort of, uh, 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 homage to this, this notion of, of being famous, which is fickle, capricious, and generally heartbreaking. So what I learned to, to your point is yoga instructors with huge Instagram footprints are mm. as lauded as a guy who has 2,800 hours in the F-14, right? I know. It's yeah. like notoriety. It's just, oh, that's your hook. That's your hook. She works. She works. Excuse me. She works at HBO. He's a he's a script runner uh, on this project with Mel Gibson. You know, everybody's got this thing that just yeah. gets you in the room, you know, and then together we're all like, let's just have fun or do something or whatever. As I described, I, I was made aware of social media via my role as the editor of military.com in the aughts, right? I mean, 
Facebook, Twitter, um, the other ones that, that came along, Instagram, and we would use them to whatever effect. And then I had a personal account that I, you know, used to, to crazy effect. In fact, my first Facebook page, uh, I became a guy who wasn't really me, you know, and it, it wrecked my life to be cryptic about it. And so I, I understood the power of, of digital media. I had a YouTube channel, but it was a repository for family B-roll. Dog show training videos. My wife is very active in, in showing dogs. Um, my cousin's eating a chocolate egg uh, at, at mm -hmm. Christmas. Uh, that kind of stuff. Just yeah. random snippets of my band playing uh, various venues. So not really organized. And I had zero subscribers. It was just a place to post things and then send them to the family so they could watch them. Yeah. I'm very active in, and so this, this now gets us to about uh, 2000. I'm sorry. What I meant to say was 2020. This gets us to 2020. Mm -hmm. So in 2020, I'm, I'm active, not gigantic, but I'm a blue check guy on Twitter. And I have a political point of view. Um, I'm what I call a militant moderate, uh, former Republican, as, as say a Tom Nichols or a Joe Scarborough are, um, you know, Charlie Sykes, yeah. Bill Crystal, th that, those guys. Um, and so I'm developing a, a network of followers that are people we know, Nicole Wallace, uh, Carol Lee, um, you know, all, all of the personalities that, that skew left of center, you know, middle left to left. Okay. And uh, I'm starting to identify with them and I'm starting to write for outlets like the Dispatch and particularly the Bulwark. So as a function of that, I start getting the interest of a gigantic YouTuber, a guy named Rick Beato. And, and Rick... Uh, has, at, as we're speaking, somewhere greater than 3.2 million subscribers. Crikey. I was a subscriber to Rick uh, because I love playing guitar. Yeah. And Rick makes music theory, improvisation, what happens behind the scenes, digestible for hackers like me. And I would watch with great interest and try to figure out what he's talking about and be a better lead player, a better improvisational blues player, whatever. So I loved Rick's channel and I watched every episode. Okay. So I forget the exact series of, of, of circumstances, but we became connected. Um, and uh, he had a, sort of a closet interest in politics and I had a great interest in what he knew because he's very much, a guy leveraging all of his professional life to make that channel great. So Rick had been a music theory teacher at, at Vanderbilt. He had been a performer in his young days uh, for a rock band. He had been a producer for other rock bands and an engineer in the studio. He had been a songwriter for a hit mm -hmm. um, and all kinds of stuff. So if you watch his channel, you can see he draws on any one of those conceptions of himself that mm -hmm. pulls any one of those levers at any given time. So he happened to be making his way through Annapolis in late 2020, about fall time frame. He was touring the Paul Reed Smith guitar factory 
Paul Reed Smith lives in Annapolis. I see him around quite frequently. I'm not a Paul Reed Smith guy. I'm a Gibson guy, but, uh, uh, but, you know, he hosted Rick, Paul hosted Rick at the factory. And so Rick did an episode about it and he texted me, Hey, I'm in Annapolis. You want to get together? And so we did. And at that time, now this is the first time we've met face to face. And as you know, when you meet somebody face to face, you're either going to be like, Oh, this is amazing. Or, wow, this is nothing like I thought it would be, you know, sort of a binary thing. And so with Rick, it was like, we are brothers from different mothers. And we just talked the night away, had a few beers, RVs here in downtown Annapolis. I wound up driving him back to his hotel across the bridge. And, and, uh, so he didn't have to take an Uber back to where he was staying. And, uh, by the end of that, he said, look, you have this intangible um, that, that is, would make you a good YouTuber. You're a contour. You, like me, have a bunch of things you can draw on in the course of any given episode. So he goes, do you have a YouTube channel? I said, yeah, it seemed like I've just defined it to you. Yeah, family B-roll, dog show videos. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I want you to do something. He goes, whatever you're doing on Twitter... I want you to talk into your phone, right? This very phone, this iPhone 11, talk into your phone, whatever the topic du jour is, and then post that. And then he taught me how to use this app called Bazart to create thumbnails, which is Mm -hmm. kind of poor man's Photoshop. Yeah. And I already knew how to write headlines because I'd been the editor of military.com, the biggest military website on the planet, right? So I was, I understood digital media and using metrics to fuse back into future, you know, posts and so forth and so on. I I knew how to do all of that. And so um, as a function of all of that, I just started naively creating YouTube episodes. So I was doing a whole wide variety of topics. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's how I play guitar. Here's how my novel got published. Here's what gerrymandering is. Here's the West Point cheating scandal, because I had been accused of my honor offense when I was a mid. And so I thought I could relate to that. And I think the parents whose cadets had been charged found solace in my explanation, because that's the first episode I ever had that broke a thousand. And that sort of sounds like the population of the mids or the cadets who were charged. Um, And so in the middle of all of these wide variety of subjects, I did one called The Secret of the F-14 or the truth about the F-14 and Goose's death. And it was basically me holding that model, talking about flat spin, aeromechanic characteristics, boldface, what Goose didn't do in the boldface, which is mm-hmm. canopy jettison. And that's yeah. why he hit his head and so forth. So I posted that one basically two days before Christmas in 2020. It laid there. 40 views for four months. And I'm like, okay. In fact, I called Rick. I'm like, nobody cares about my jive ass and what I'm talking about here. And Rick was like, no, no, stick with it. You're doing great. The algorithm will find you is what he kept saying. That was the steady drumbeat. The algorithm will find you. Mm -hmm. So I was actually pretty prolific in the face of zero sort of success, as it were. I mean, literally 40 views per episode. Yeah. So April 18th, 2021. I'm getting all these notifications that people are watching that Goose's Death episode. At the end of the day, the tally was 95,000 views in a single day. Wow. So I call Rick. Oh, that's a lot of views. What's going on? He said, I told you. 
this is what would happen. The algorithm, not human beings, the algorithm has sort of somehow, yeah. you know, translated on you um, and uh, has keywords, search terms, viewer habits, Top Gun Maverick, trailer release, whatever. People searching at 14 Tomcat teed me up that day. And I said, what do I do? He goes, well, basically get rid of all the content that isn't aviation. The audience gets a vote is what he said. Okay. Is that okay? Do you have other aviation stuff you can talk about? I'm like, Are you kidding me? I would love to get out of the whole other things, you know, mm -hmm. trying to be, you know, a political opiner, yeah. you know? And, and so uh, I unlisted and there were about 50 episodes that I basically made invisible to the, unless you already had the URL yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, changed the logo to the flag and the visor, which was actually an approach magazine cover when I was the editor of approach and started doing aviation content. So if you look at my channel, um, well, really, if you look at the homepage, you can see the episodes I started doing, mm. you know, and, and uh, the first hit I had uh, was the Kara Holtgreen mishap mm. analysis. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's the first one to go through a million. Um, and that's a bucket list number. If you said a million people are watching your thing, I can't even get my head around that. But you're good at what you do, which is, um, you know, great for the audience. Well, well, thank you, Mike. I, I, coming from you, that means a lot. I, uh, so, I, I mean, obviously you're, you're right. And, you know, the, the, the data tells the tale. Yeah. Um, however, this is the analogy that, that I give for those, because a lot of people, would love to leave their day jobs, you know, especially oh, yeah. people my age, you know, the Peter Pan syndrome uh, mm -hmm. dudes my age. Uh, they look at what I've done. They're like, oh, well, I, I actually have more credibility than you do, Mooch. I, I have a Top Gun pedigree. Um, and, and so I want to do that. I'm like, mm -hmm. Roger, go for it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I will show them the playbook that I was given by uh, by Rick Beato. And uh so it is the the intangible and even if you possess the intangible it may not happen this is the the when you're trading on public taste um it, it's a wild ride so if you look at i'm capable of a mediocre result i can do twelve thousand views in an episode mm -hmm. as well as i can do 2.5 million yeah you know um and, and so the analogy i use is and i have friends like billy hurley and others who've who've made a go of being a golf pro that's the analogy, right? Yeah, so as a golf pro, you live week to week, right? So some weeks you're in top 10, maybe you even win the tournament. Some weeks you miss the cut. Your responsibility as a golfer is don't get ahead of yourself. So don't stare at the leaderboard and go, oh, my God, I could win this thing, or oh, my God, I'm going to miss the cut. Your responsibility is stand over the ball and hit this shot. Yeah. As a YouTuber, our responsibility is – Focus on this episode. Mm -hmm. All I can do is make this episode as good as it can be. I post it, and then it's not up to me. Yes, yeah, no, like, yeah, cool. if you want to watch. So if you're not cool with that, and a lot of guys who spent their life in the military, I know this, uh, it's a certain type, uh, especially when you get up to be captain, you know, 06 and above. Yeah. You're used to effort equals outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I show up early, leave late, I'm going to succeed and then thrive. That's not how it is in this world, bro. Yeah. You know, it, there's, the, you know, there are 12 year olds who are killing it. Mm 
playing video games on Twitch, you know, oh, and there are and super incredible, oh, you know, you know, I mean, there are guys who have better pedigrees than me on paper whose YouTube channels are moribund. Right. I mean, and, and again, yeah. I, I if they ask me a question, I'll answer it. Uh, so I'm just grateful for the support. Uh, I, I again, I'm leveraging a, a lot of experience in the media space. I'm working my ass off, by the way. I've never been busier. Today is a great example. You know, we'll do this conversation as soon as we hang up. I got to do an insertion yeah. for this company that's sponsoring my next video. Yeah, yeah, of course. That video has to go live on Friday. I haven't post-produced it, and the B-roll is a mess. And then I'm doing a live stream at 1400 EST my time on this F35 mishap for an hour or so, right? So, of course, yeah. Okay, that's called a good day for me. You know, Absolutely. I love it. I and, live in my attic, right? I mean, here we are. This is where I live, you know. Um, and so, studio. Yep. And and so and, some days I don't even leave the house. I'm like that uh, yeah. Paramore and, song. So what I know about the latter logic is that never works. Mm, and I know this is a novelist. Yeah. If you create based on your perception of a financial or impact outcome, you will fail. Totally. Yeah. And, and I so, totally agree. And in that case, I introduced you to my novel called Militia Kill, which is a yeah. piece of junk that we tried to reverse engineer our conception of what, and by we, I mean me and my agent and my editor, uh, for uh, what would be popular. I didn't feel it. I hate that book, in fact. It was like waking right. up and hanging out with complete idiots while I was writing it, because you know right. you got to kind of live in that world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. So I don't need the money. You know, I, I really don't. And, and I'm in a position in life where um, I, I'm very close to retirement, retirement age, you know, Social Security, all these other things. Um, I'm doing it because I love it. I love the profession that you and I deal in. Yeah. Um, military aviation. I love the military. I love both the United States and our NATO partners because I've been able to work with the Royal Navy, the RAF, and I, I have great friends who were, uh, you know, uh, aboard the ship with us, and we played mm -hmm. many rounds of golf in Dubai. Um, <laughs> so um, that's why, you know, love your channel. I love having Justin Bronk on, you know, from from London, yeah. um, and uh, I, I love London. It's it. Uh, I love England. It's it's uh, and Scotland and other places that I've been. Uh, so to be able to celebrate the Western world, Occidental mind, uh, our freedom, democracy in, in, a, in an environment that challenges that both foreign and domestic, yeah. uh, quite frankly, uh, is, is both a gift and a responsibility. Yeah. You know, so my responsibility is to educate, entertain and delight my viewers. Absolutely. And, I have to do that without being preachy, heavy handed. I want it to be fun. But I also the only way this is works is if I let you into who I am. And mm -hmm. I think I've managed that. You know, sometimes it's humor. Sometimes it's frailty. Sometimes I get a fact wrong and I'll admit it in the comments. You know, I took a beating over the ghost of Kiev thing that I did. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> that's fine. You know, I, I, I wasn't yeah. saying it's like literal fact, I, I celebrate the spirit of it. And then as soon as it was proven by the, the Ukrainian Air Force to be not true, I posted a comprehensive episode about that, which people ignored. So that's another 
thing. If you can't handle that frustration, then don't try yeah. to do this. Um, so I, I, I do it because I, I, I want to do it and I enjoy it. I've been smarter about all manner of things, you know, UFOs, uh, the Air Force, the, the A-10, the tornado. You know, I talked to John Nickel. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and Nickel, we'll yeah. talk to him again when his book comes out in a few months. Yeah. Um, and and what, a, what a cool platform to meet your heroes, the, your mentors, and people that you want to know. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Casey Campbell is a great example of a, a consider yeah, her a friend. I interviewed um, her as well. Now I'll meet her in person in a few months. Uh, but absent the channel, I, there's no reason for us to communicate. Yeah. You know? And, and so, yeah, it's it's a... It's a real cool thing, um, and I'm I'm lucky. And uh, again, as I've said several times during this conversation, I'm never going to take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Ward. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on this chat. But uh, yeah, where where can we find you online, and where can we find your books? So, uh, if you look at any episode description uh, of any episode on YouTube, you can find my books there. So they're available all formats. And when I, that we're talking about the Punks trilogy, uh, I'm working on Punk 4 slowly. Um, but right now, the, the first three, if you haven't read them, uh, they, they're kind of my signature bit of work. If you enjoy uh, the F-14 particularly and carrier aviation, or if you want to know who does this job, uh, the Punks trilogy uh, is, is, is the way to go, I think. So uh, you can find how to get those in any episode description. I'm on Twitter at Ward Carroll, and I'm on uh, Instagram at, uh, uh, what is my Instagram? <laughs> YouTuber Ward Carroll. That's it, yeah. And I'm on Twitch, where I do uh, flying um, uh, of DCS as The Real Mooch. Uh, awesome. So those are kind of the places to find me, and obviously my channel on YouTube is Ward Carroll. Awesome stuff. Well, Mooch, thank you very much for coming on this show. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, I'm sure we'll meet up soon. Uh, maybe we can have a beer if I uh, head over to America or something like that. Done deal. First round's on me, Mike. And I appreciate the opportunity. I've watched your channel for a long time. And I very much appreciate what you, it is that you do as well. Awesome stuff. <laughs>